in Hebrew, uh, the word yad is hand. So just put out your hand with me just for a second. Just like this and say yad. Yeah, good. It's kind of always a little gruff. Yad. Nice. All right. That's what I want you to do. Um, just kind of keeping it in your general area, which would be hard to not do. Um, but I'd love for you to um, think about this. The word yad, which is hand, is the root word of the Hebrew word yada. Okay, so say yada. Yada means to know or knowledge. All right? So I want you to see this picture just really quick. To know something is to know its shape, its form. Everything about that part of the world, the biblical culture is textual. Feel it. You know it. So this is what I want us to do. I want us to yada the shoulders on either side of you. So go ahead and put, especially if you've got little kids. Like, little kids, yeah, that's okay. Well, imagine we could reach across the aisle in our imagination. I'm not sure if you want to do that, but that's okay. Uh, so, that's good, right? So, this is what we're going to do. Um, when, when we come to community like this, what we want to know is we want to know each other, and we want to know God, right? And that's where we found our strength in God. The restoration to God and each other is a vision picture for who we are. So, if we don't know each other, have contact, intimate contact... It's really hard for us to, one, be restored to each other or to feel confident enough to trust each other. You have to know, right? And by the way, this is an awesome time every week to bless your children if you bring them to church with you. Just to bless them. Tell them how much you love them. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for the people that are around us that God has brought us to worship with this morning. All right, so just with your hands still on the shoulder and if they get tired in the aisle, that's fine. If not, just make that your praying hand Uh, so let's pray let's pray now father we pray now for the person uh, on the right side of us we pray for their lives we pray your blessings over their hearts your favor over their struggle if there are little ones and if they are even if you imagine them to be little in their 20 If you want to take just a second and whisper something in their ear, just do that right now. And now, Father, we pray for the person on our left. We pray for their heart. We pray that their spirit leaps with joy at your presence for favor in their lives and in their struggle. We pray, Father, that you, by your spirit would restore us to holiness in you and a deep love, affection, and wonder with each other. Help us, Father, to be your people in this place so that we overflow out of it into a world that needs your love so much. Help us, Father, maybe to find people that don't have anyone to pray for them and ask ourselves if it's us. We ask all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen? Amen. Such good sports. Thank you so much. Go ahead and have a seat. Um, You're going to stand up in a minute, but I thought I'd give you a quick rest. Um, Here's... Sorry, that's just how this is going to go. Up, down, up, down. Uh, Some of you will have flashbacks, uh, but that's okay. Um, And you know what I'm talking about.
Yeah, yeah, that'll be laugh. It'll be really funny later. Um, so here's the thing. Um, last week we began talking about healing. We began to really embrace what it might mean to be a community that agreed with Jesus and said, not only do you have the authority to be speaking into the world in such a way that the world is going to be transformed, but... You're going to back that up with power that you like moving through your spirit in such a way that it restores us, that it brings heaven to earth. Right. Just like it says in the Lord's Prayer, our father who art in heaven. Say it with me. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Kingdom come and will be done. Stop. Say that part again. On earth as it is in heaven. And I saw a new Jerusalem coming down. Weird, right? Isn't it interesting that for so long maybe the church has spent just lifetimes trying to get people into heaven and God may be spending all of his time trying to get heaven into the earth? Healing and restoration is a picture of heaven coming to earth. Of the power of God moving in such a way that the authority of the words Jesus speaks are affirmed and become transformational for all of us. We talked last week about why we come to church and that we're going to change that. We're going to think about changing that one way or the other. Instead of coming to church maybe to be affirmed, yay, people are like us and we all agree. And that can be encouraging, right? We need that sometimes. But if that's it, then we miss Jesus' point. Not very many people came and hung out with Jesus and left only affirmed. Right? <laughs> Thanks. Sorry. I, just, I like the idea. I, I, I get connected with it. Like they always also are what? Transformed. So when we come together, we should be affirmed, maybe. Yeah? Love you. You're wonderful. Creation of God. All those things. Absolutely. Foundational. Got to have them. And now, you know, from the creator of the world. The transformation of you and I into the people that we're called and created to be as we follow Jesus and become more like him. A picture of that is healing, healing our wounds and the people that are around us. Kingdom of heaven coming to earth. So fun. And so that's what we're going to be talking about all summer long. Really engaging that and, and trying to figure out what that might mean for us and struggling with it. I talked to uh, a friend uh, that was here last week and he said... Um, I mentioned last week that one of my struggles is that very often if I get a headache, I'll take an aspirin and then I'll pray. And I think that's probably upside down, right? I should pray, and if I have to, take an aspirin, right? That's kind of the way it should work. And I think that's probably about the way that I understand my healing understanding with my medical combination. If you want to know, I could give you the huge theological dissertation and you would all be asleep, more asleep. Uh, You know, it would be that kind of thing, right? It's easy for me. If you get a headache, take an aspirin and pray and thank God when you feel better. That's it. That's the whole thing. How do we move in such a way? Or actually pray and take an aspirin, right? See, I still do it. But I was sitting there talking to him, and he said it was great. He went straight out from church and home and all that kind of stuff. Went to the gas station that he always goes to, I think, the next morning. When he got there, the first thing the lady says that checks him out, like almost every day, is, Oh, I've got a headache. And he's like, Oh, man. (laughs) You know, you know what I do with that right now? It's rolling around in my head. See what he does? takes a risk a beautiful noble kingdom bringing risk and he says you know maybe i could pray for you pray for your headache to go away it'll be all right yes please so he prays 
Next day he goes back and says, hey, you know, did, my, did my prayer relieve your headache? She says, no. <laughs> but when I ate something later, it did. Which brings me to this point of like, you know, we pray. I, I pray for people to be healed all the time. Often they are. Often they're not. I mean, it kind of is a mix. It depends. I don't ever know what's going to happen. God's God and I'm not. And I'm pretty comfortable with that. Right? You should be too, by the way. So it's a whole different deal. But right? So you, you pray in this way for everybody all the time and celebrate when they're healed. Even if that means the radicalness of death in the fullness of healing. Right? So here's the picture uh, for all of us. Why does God have my friend pray for her and she doesn't get healed? Does that hurt his faith or hers? Or does it open him up to a risk that he survived and also make him the guy that prays for her when how many people did she say she had a headache to? And from now on, every time he goes to get gas, how transformative is that for a relationship that's every day? And for me, all of a sudden, I think, oh, what's going to happen in the gas station? Could we become those people? Would you be willing for the joy of taking part, partnering with God and bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth? Would you be willing, maybe willing to willing, I don't know, to take a risk this week? Take a risk with your kids when they're getting out of the car on the way to school. If you've never done this before, try it. Dear God, I pray for my son's day. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you've never done that before, it will freak them out. But this is what I do. Smile, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, and then deal with yourself, okay? Pray for your husband when he goes on his sales deal. Jesus, I just pray for favor over my husband. I love him, and I love you. Amen. And if he looks at you like you're insane, smile and hold it, hold it, hold it, right? Take a risk. I will guarantee you that if you will risk on the kingdom, you will find an incredible return. Over and over and over again. It might not be what you expect, but you will be transformed. And how bored are we with affirmation? Only. I mean, let's do this stuff, right? Let's be these people. What would it look like if we did just this room? You stand with me as we say the Shema together and prepare ourselves for God's words. Um, if you've never done this before, it's going to be awkward. Uh, and uh, that's all right. Uh, if you've done this, if you've not, anyway, you'll get it. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say uh, a little bit of the Shema and ask you to repeat it to me. Okay. It's not a prayer. It's a declaration. So I do it kind of with some intensity and I encourage you to do the same. Uh, it's best if the roof kind of rises a little bit and that we make the neighbors nervous. Um, and so let's do that. Uh, and we'll say the Shema and then we're going to say the scripture of the day. Are you ready? Here we go. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart. With all your soul. With all your might. And love your neighbor as yourself. Amen.
These birds come from the Gospel of Mark, beginning at chapter 3. We'll start at verse 1. We read together. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. As he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at the hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. These are the very words of God. You can be seated. Jim Gaffigan is one of my favorite comedians. He's hilarious. Um, And uh, he did this thing called Mr. Universe. And we watched it this summer uh, as a family. And uh, it was myself. A little boys paid attention for about 10 minutes. uh, And the older kids watched. uh, And we laughed and had a great time uh, as a family. Right? He's hilarious. And um, one of the things that we have in common with the Gaffigan family is that we have four kids. And so what he does at the beginning of this particular one is he comes out and he welcomes everybody. He says, hey, um, we just had, uh, my wife and I just had a child. And everybody goes, yay. And then he goes, it was our fourth. Crickets, man, like nothing. And he goes, I know, you think like you have one, everybody celebrates, you have four. Somehow you've changed, you know, well, that's a lifestyle choice, you know. And there's this kind of different thing going on. People think that you might be Amish and you could make them furniture and stuff like that. But there's this, there's this kind of experience he talks about, right? With when it comes to having a a load of kid and and in our area, by the way, we're only like entry level, large family. We've got eight, seven, 30, no, uh, like 10, you know, would be a big one uh, in our, in our area. But uh, he gives this explanation. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you exactly what it's like to have four children. Imagine that you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. (laughs) my wife cried and i couldn't tell that she was laughing right you know it's like this is the fun laugh right honey you know that's kind of stuff right but you ever have that feeling like there's something in your life and for my sweet love there are times when those four kids are running her Ragged. I mean, she is overwhelmed. It's like playing baseball with Jello. You know, it's like I don't even know what's happening. It's a mess, and we're all running in every direction. It's crazy. Um, you know, and and we all kind of have one of those experiences in our lives. One of those things we can't kind of get a hold of. Things that we just can't can't seem to manage, and we spend amazing amounts of time herding the kittens, right? <laughs> Trying to figure out how to get a hold of it. And that might not just be kids. That may be your job. You may every once in a while think, got it. There it goes. But here's what I want to suggest. I want to suggest this morning that this scripture, not only, but at least in part, has a lot to do with saying to us, be careful not to control or to try to control the uncontrollable. Be careful not to try to control the uncontrollable controllable and if you really take one step back probably even the thing you don't want to control really 
So Jesus walks into the synagogue on Sabbath. Now, he did this a bunch. It even says right here in the scripture, and again, he walked into the Sabbath and all this other kind of stuff. And so by now, he doesn't have any of the disciples yet, but he's already stirring it up. There's people that have been healed. There's things that he's said. People are starting to talk about him. People are starting to wonder about him. Like, it's, it's really cool, but it's really early in his ministry. And so when he walks into the synagogue, it says, and the fair, they all kind of looked at him like, aha, here he is. It's Sabbath. He's in the synagogue. Let's see if he's going to heal somebody. We'll get him this time, right? And it's just kind of weird if you think about it. Like, you're like right up front. If you're not careful, you can miss some of these really funny little nuances. Because what's going on here is here comes Jesus. And what the community is doing is they're like, I bet he's going to heal somebody. <laughs> well, that would be bad. Shut up. You know, and like this whole, like weirdness, right? So, so the first thing I like. Have you ever been the person that walks in the room and everybody looks at you and you just know they're seething? I can't believe they're here. Can you believe he actually showed his face? Oh, my goodness. After what she pulled? Uh-huh. Right? So we do that. Yeah, this kind of thing. Now, times maybe 10. Here comes Jesus. And all the religious leaders are like, oh, yeah. Loaded. Ready to go. Do it. Gosh, don't we have to be careful not to be a community? That's just terrified that God might move. I've been the guy, though, like Jesus, you know, that walks into the room and feels like all the eyes on him. I remember one year I was brand new preacher, as young and even more ridiculous than I am now. And I was in the dark talking to four or five serious powder keggy kind of pastors that are friends. And we were talking about all these really important things, you know, and I was out there like, I want to be a part of the group, you know, come on, guys. And I'm trying to think of thoughtful things to say and have nothing, you know, that kind of moment, like, you know, and Pat, and so this thing is going on. And after a while, um, one of them, um, it kind of turns. It's a funny term. We're talking about theological things and whatever. And then this person goes, hey, did you hear la, 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 la? And this nasty little gospel comes running out. And I'm like, and about another pastor. And I went, okay, no, stop, stop, stop. okay, no, we're not supposed to do this. Like, you know, I start like monitoring, like, wait a minute, this is bad. This is bad. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It's like when somebody says something racist or sexist or whatever it is in your presence and you're trying to figure out like, oh, did they just say that? I can't believe they just came out of their mouth. Like, how am I going to handle this? And it just kept going on and on. And then they all got into it. Now I'm like, oh, great. So either A, I quietly say this is okay. Or B, I say something in a room that's this is going to be bad. And so I finally said, hey, should we talk about her in this way when we wouldn't talk about her if she was here like that? You know? <laughs> right? And so uh, <laughs> these guys all go like this. Yeah. I mean, they, the whole body, right, toward me. And I'm, I'm glad I'm big. I'm like, what? No, I was, I was terrified. Like, they all, they all were just angry with me. And later that night, I went into dinner, and it felt like when I was in junior high, brand new to the school, and I walked out with my tray. You know, I'm like, oh, great. Sitting by myself tonight, you know, and this kind of thing. And I did. It was weird. But you know what I'm talking about, like that pressure. 
of being the person in the room. You know what? As Christians, periodically, we will be. You will be, as a Christian, periodically in the room, the person that is a little bit reviled because you will stand for something more than what the rest of the community might be interested in doing or talking about. And you know that if you're a kid and you're in school right now. You know that if you're a man and you do sell things nationally right now. You know that if you're a mom and you're going to go to the play date right now. It doesn't matter where you go if you are a Christian that is trying their best by the grace of God through the movement of the Holy Spirit to become like him, that that is going to be true. So maybe we should be okay with it a little bit. Jesus says this will be. And maybe sometimes we just are going to have to embrace saying, hey guys, couldn't we be better people? A little? Jesus always seems to know also when the guys are doing that to him. You ever notice that? He always knows. And the truth is, I've also been those guys too. Like I said earlier, I can't believe they're here. We had a a couple uh, years ago and uh, he committed adultery on her and had been for almost a decade. And when, uh, as a community, we found that out. Um, To be honest, what was really weird is that I didn't realize that usually when people do that, they disappear. The person that commits the wrong sort of disappears out of community and we're like yeah you know and so like because we want to the person that's been wronged you want to take him in and take care of everybody well he wouldn't go away like gum on my shoe i'm like dude i want to hate you from a distance right now it would be great if i could do that because like i feel like you're ruining your family's life and that's brutal and i would prefer that if you're going to throw grenades in your living room that you'd let me dislike you because you don't come anymore of course, then I had to deal with he'd been coming for a decade, you know, and this kind of stuff. So here's, here's the thing. He won't go away. He wouldn't go away out of a small group. He wouldn't go away out of the church. He showed up and he showed up and he showed up. And at some point I'd realized I'm one of those little voices. I'm condemning and judging a man I should try to figure out how to embrace because what he only really seems to want is healing. The only thing he really wanted was to tell everybody, I don't want this anymore. It is crushing me and my family. For the record, they're still married. The restoration in that story is crazy. Crazy. About three years later, we did a sermon series on the Ten Commandments. Guess who came out and spoke for thou shalt not commit adultery? Both of them. There's a day in church. (laughs) Right? Here's the thing. I've been those guys. Maybe you have too. Both sides. And I see Jesus being the guy that's reviled. But here's just a little side note. I never see him. Never. Not one time. Is he in the group that's accusing silently? Ever notice that? Like not one time does it say, and the Lord thought to himself, I just really can't believe she showed up. (laughs) he might get angry he might be sad but it's always for the hearts of those that are there maybe that's a place we could be transformed today is to be the people that even in the privacy of our own hearts when the broken people show up we're just thrilled they're there ask people in recovery most important people are usually the people that show up late because they almost didn't make it. 
Embrace them. Maybe we can learn some things. So Jesus knows all of this. This is kind of all in the room. And there's a man with a withered hand. Think about that every once in a while. It's interesting to me if you think about a withered hand. My grandmother, for years, when her arthritis was really bad, and it's still pretty rough. Um, It's her birthday, by the way. Happy birthday, Granny. Uh, 90-something. And uh, she wouldn't want to tell you anyway. It's all right. Um, So... Her hands, though, were always just so gnarled, and it was really hard because she would always hold your hand, you know, and they were just rough. She was a lady. I mean, an elegant woman is an elegant woman, but for her to try to pick something up, it was just her muscles were all crazy, painful. So this man that has a withered hand, and I I think about this a lot. You know, if you think about the stories of Jesus that we have written, the stories of what Jesus does in the world is huge. It says in Scripture that if we tried to write all the things down that Jesus did, we would still be writing. All right? So what gets written down is a much smaller part of who he was, uh, although it contains everything that we need. And then it gets smaller to that, to all these miraculous things, smaller to that for, you know, some of the healing things. So you begin to think about maybe he's choosing them carefully. Maybe it's not random. So you start to wonder, well, what would he choose this for? And I begin to wonder, put this out there for you to think about and disagree with me, I don't mind. Um, maybe there's something that's connected with the physical expression of a spiritual issue. Maybe the withered hand means more than just he happened to have a withered hand. Here's what I'm wondering. A muscled, bared down, withered hand, not an arthritic hand, but really is a picture of something that's just trying to control something, right? Just everything that it has is trying to get a hold of it. Just everything. I wonder about that. So much so that it's become malformed in its expectation of holding on to something. I say that because, in part, the authority issue that Jesus speaks into here, which is Sabbath. And the rule is a way that people do when they are very religious is they they try to hold on to God's behavior. Hold on to what God's going to do. Hold on with a great expectation that if we pray and they're not healed, then he failed us. Because things have to be fair and we have to see and understand them. By the way, here's something we tell our kids all the time, and I'll let you be, you know, (laughs) scarred like our children. God's not fair. But he is good. Over and over and over, the expectation and what happens is often very different, but always more. So here's this picture. And I start to wonder, like, like what is it that I'm trying to hold on to? Mm, what do I want to control? What do I want to really, yeah, you know, if I could just, and then I'll, if I could get to this place, if I just had this much, or these people, or if I had this thing, or if I could get this person to behave in this way, or not behave in this way, ah, you know, just grab a hold. Ah, I got a hold of it now. <laughs> and I, I find myself maybe like you kind of trying to control the uncontrollable. Jesus says to the man with the other hand, 
different uh, translations say it differently. Some people say, stand up and come over here. Others say, stand up. Some people say, come here. You know, it's interesting to think about how you would say it. Essentially, though, all of them mean stand up so that everybody can see you. You are now in the middle of the room. Here is Sabbath synagogue. We're all here. And if I said to someone out there, come here, stand in the middle of the room. All right. So you can feel the pressure and the tension of that. Everything would kind of happen, right? And he's standing there. Now, what's interesting to me is that uh, if we're not careful, we have to like, we miss again like the story. And what, what Jesus doesn't do here is the thing that I expect him to do. He says, come here or stand in the middle of the room. And then what I expect him to do with a man with a withered hand is to say, you're healed. Or here's a cool scripture. Or like, eh, I don't know what he's going to do, but like there's going to be this action that he's going to take to heal the withered hand. Or I don't know, something. He never does what I expect him to do. Not one time. Paralytic man on the floor and he's like, your sins are forgiven. What? You know, like over and over and over. We're supposed to go, what's happening? Right? So the man comes and the crowd is hushed. The people are waiting to see if he's going to heal. You know, all this kind of stuff is happening, right? And, and he's there and he's looking at him and he goes, is it good or on the Sabbath, should we do good or evil? Should we save life or kill? So if I asked you, on the Sabbath, should we do good or bad? You'd say, yeah, genius. He's looking at the leaders and the scholars. And if you go and look at the Talmudic Midrashic stuff here, this question, do we do good or evil on the Sabbath, is a refining question. It's a way that you understand what you should and shouldn't do along the way and trying to balance out all the different ways that God has said, do this or do that, right? Is it, is it good? Is it something good or is it something bad? And all of them are a way to find the best good. That's the conversation that come and all that kind of deal. And there's loads of them over thousands of years. And they all are focused on how do we do the good on the Sabbath. They know these they know this conversation for a long time. He looks at him and says, do we do good or bad? And you guys said, good. And you know what they say? Nothing. Stare at him. With their expectation or premeditated resentment. That's what an expectation is, by the way. Do you know that? An expectation is a premeditated resentment. So, enjoy that one later. <clears throat> it comes out in our house all the time. You're just having... Sorry. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> they stare at him in silence. I can't imagine how Jesus' heart must break. Here are the leaders, the shepherds, those that hold the words... That lead the people and care for them and discern how we are a community, how we are unified in love. I've asked them the simple question that they all know the answer to. We all know the answer to this. And you stare at me in silence and there's a turn here. His authority to speak into the Sabbath is clear. But now it is time for the power to shake the room. 
And he looks at the man with a withered hand. And he gives, it's, it's a prophetic motion. It's a big picture. We think he's just, you know, he's just healing a man with a, with a withered hand. He's showing them who he is. Release. Be free. Become fearless. Right? So he turns to this man with a withered hand. And he says, stretch out your hand. Now, I love this moment in every healing. It always blows me away. Every single time when Jesus turns to the healed person, here's what I'm thinking. Here's a guy that has a shriveled hand. How long? We don't know. It's been something that he's grown to be used to. Maybe he understands how to pick things up, put things down. Maybe he's gotten pretty amazing with it. But one thing that he stopped trying to do is stretch out his hand. He's quit. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll also forget that the the most courageous thing that happens in these healings very often is for the people that are being healed to try. For a paralyzed man to try to get up, the courage of that is amazing. For a blind man to try to see, for people that can't hear to try to hear, And here this man has a shriveled hand. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand. Do you hesitate? What happens if you're healed? Does everything change? Do you rush to it? Do you try? Do you want to fail him? Are you worried about the crowd too? What's going to happen? And then all of a sudden with a really deep breath, and I love that pregnant moment, don't you? Like, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. Like, right, you know, so excited. And, and like, it's going to happen. Even with, like favorite movies, you know, you already know the ending. And you're like, watch this, man. Oh, he said it. Yeah, you know, like, it's like the whole thing's going to happen. You know that's going to happen right now. And the hand's right there. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand. And there's all this courage, all these people, all this stuff. And then... Right? And he sends them running. Run to find the Herodians. We gotta kill him, we gotta kill him, we gotta kill him. He's healing people. No. You know, that's terrible. And then there's a group that's there. Please do not mistake. When they say Pharisees, Sadducees, all this kind of stuff, these are mixed groups. All right. If you were in this group right here, we said all the Christians, would you all agree on this? No. All right. Please be subtle in the way that we talk about this. This particular group, they go to find the Herodians. We talk a lot about all that mess, but here's the deal. There's also a group, no doubt, that stays behind and does this. More than that, there's a man that does this. Because now he can know. Now this shriveled yad can yada the heart of God. Love that. That's me. My shriveled control. When all I really want to do is know the heart of God. That's me when I worship, you know, I start here. Sometimes I rocky, but here's the thing. Like I'm, I want to be here 
or hear. I just want to know the heart of God. I want to feel his presence. Nothing else more interesting or more exciting, more adventurous, more wonderful or more terrifying. All at the same time. It's the ride of our lives. It turns out it's supposed to also be like Monday. Right? At the gas station. So here's what I want us to do just to kind of finish. We need to take some sort of action. We've got to do something. Right? Just take a second. But just put your hands out in front of you. Just like this. Awesome. Perfect. Just be, be a good sport. It's all right. Be a little weird, but he's already been super weird, so why not? Um, you know. This is what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes with your hands open, and I want you to begin to just let God answer this question. What are you, or what am I, trying to control that is uncontrollable? What am I trying to control? And it might just come right to your mind. Where is it that you're trying to control a thing you cannot control. What is it? Now this is what I want you to do with your hands. I want you to grab a hold of it. Ball up your fists and grab a hold of that thing you're trying to hold. Is it your kids? Is it your life? Is it your direction? Is it your parents? Is it your spouse? Just, just tight. Hold on. Everything you got. Yeah. Fight it out. Now please hear these words. If God brought that to your heart, mind, and you're trying to hold on to it now, you are trying to hold on to the uncontrollable. You cannot control that thing. But if you hold on like this, it will control you. What God wants for us is fearless freedom. And for us to be able to stretch out our hand. And so, Father, just I would ask that you would come right now to every person in this room by your spirit. And help us right now to stretch out our hands. And to give those things we're trying to control, we have no business controlling, right over to you. So stretch out your hand. Become the people that we are called to be. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're going to have some prayer time right after a Pearson ministry time. If you'd like to remain in your seat, you can to pray. That's great. We're going to sing. I will also have some prayer teams up on either side that would love to pray with you about anything that you've got. If you've got a physical ailment, we can pray for it to be healed. Why not? Uh, if you've got something inside you that you just want out, want some direction, um, I don't know, whatever it might be, just some encouragement. Just, encourage, just come up and, and pray. If you want to pray for someone else, stand up. Yeah, that's great, too. We're going to have some ministry time that just kind of lingers in here. And so after I pray, you're welcome to go. You'll be dismissed. But if you'd also like to stay and sit and consider for a while. That's great too. You want to sit and pray with your kids. Show them what that looks like. That's super cool. Our kids look forward to it all the time. Most of the time. 
one more thing, just because I, I can. I want to thank the worship team this morning for all that they are. I want to thank my friend Kevin, who's right in the back, who will wave at you and he'll hate this. Yep. Wave right there. Yeah. He sets up the chairs every week. Every week. I came back after being gone as long as I've been gone. And there he is setting up those chairs. And just the servant's heart that silently go by that take care of the things. And there's so many of you that really do. Uh, And the last person I just want to thank real quick is John Jaffe, who's at the back, who runs all of our soundboard and does such an amazing job. So if you... uh... He's the kind of guy that if he does his job really well, nobody notices. A lot of us do that, and uh, he's done that for a long, long time, and I'm just grateful for it. So if you just stand up where you are, uh, I'm going to say a quick prayer, and then I want to encourage you to come forward for prayer or sit back down for prayer, however you like, uh, and just receive uh, from God in his presence this morning. And so uh, receive this blessing. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you. Turn his face toward yours. Look deep into your eyes. Claim you as his own. And give you his peace. His shalom. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we go. Amen.